2: Hi,
1: listen up for a second. One of the best ways to unwind after a week of relentless chaos is the After Party podcast presented exclusively on our Patreon page. It's a commercial-free 90-minute podcast that's kind of like eavesdropping on an evening chat between me and my girlfriend, Kimberly Johnson. You know her from the Start Me Up podcast and from the Stephanie Miller Show, et cetera, et cetera. It's far more personal than the free shows with all kinds of revelations about our personal lives but with all the latest political commentary in there too. And it can get really weird and fun, by the way. So don't miss out. Subscribe to the after-party level at patreon.com slash Show. And you're also going to get two Shadow Docket shows included in that level of support. Again, it's patreon.com slash Show. And now let the cartoons begin.
2: The Bob Seska Show. Bob
1: Seska. Bob Seska. You really are sick. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, August 30, 2023, and this is Bob Seska interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Day 952 of the Biden-Harris administration, 432 days until the twenty four presidential election. You can find me on threads and Instagram at TheBobSeska, Twitter at BobSeska underscore go, spoutable Bob Seska, and our Patreon page is BobSeskaShow.com. Well, I'm so glad that you're here today. Hi, by the way, how you doing? You doing good? Hanging in? All right. Well, anyway, it's a big day for the show. One of the most popular liberal voices on social media is right here, the great JoJo from Jurz. You might know her from her popular Twitter feed or her podcast called Are You Effing Kidding Me? or from such shows as The Stephanie Miller Show. Links in the description to support Joe's things. So today we're gonna to get into third party spoilers, the ramifications of another Trump presidency, Democratic messaging, and a whole lot more. Meantime, think about supporting this fully independent podcast by subscribing to our Patreon page, show.com. Okay, keep your hands and feet inside the podcast at all times. This is my talk with Jojo from Jurors.
2: Bob Seska.
1: How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great, too. I'm just trying to... Yeah,
0: perfect. I just switched it so that I can hear you through my headphones.
1: <laughs> great. Don't you love it? Now we're all, like, audio engineers.
0: Just... <laughs> well, I mean, that is definitely um, giving me far too much credit because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm such an idiot when it comes to this stuff. It took me, and I'm not kidding you, it took me, like, hours to figure out how to get the blur off my background. <laughs> Yeah, my my thirteen year old son was like, "Mom, really?"
1: Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Has has he showed you how to do it all? Has he been your audio engineer throughout the, this?
0: All the all the things he wants. He wants you to pay him. He yeah. wants to be my yeah. He wants to be my TikTok coordinator. He's like, "Mom, you just pay me, you know, like ten dollars an hour." I'm like, "Kid." No way. $10 an hour.
1: That's an amazing thing. Is he like, is he seriously into it? Is your kid into it? Like one of the things he wants to do, like when he grows up is become like a social media influencer, like his mom. I
0: <laughs> I think every kid at that age thinks that that might be their, you know, their, their life's path. But yeah, I, I think he messes around a lot. He has a lot of different ideas for what he wants to be. But I think that um he really wants to be like a sports broadcaster. And that's my daughter calling me. Sorry.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. How many kids do you have?
0: Just two. Just two. And my daughter has chosen this very moment to call me. Yeah, they're at their dad's. <laughs> do you need I to, only have the two of them.
1: Do you need to take no, it? I'm going to text her. Is it, is no, it no, an no, emergency? No. Okay. How old are your kids?
0: So uh, Abby is just turned uh, 10. Yeah. And Leo is about to turn 14.
1: Wow. So, are they kids who go, Yes, mom, let's talk more about Donald Trump? Or are they (laughs) kids who go, Mom, shut up about Donald Trump? It's funny because they
0: have, I guess, because they've really grown up on this shit, but like, Oh, I don't know if I can say shit, but we're not recording. No, that's fine. No, this is all recording.
1: This is all on the show. And and you can say whatever you want.
0: (laughs) Oh, good. Well, I. Uh, no their tolerance for my talking about Donald Trump is remarkable i mean my I, really? I don't understand my son you know he uh trump national or whatever that golf course is called is not actually that far from here and when wow. trump first won in 2016 my son was like i'm going to go to trump national i'm going to throw a blueberry pie at the <laughs> sign that was his form of protest yeah and and it's funny cuz he's now in honors uh history because he did so well last year in uh, in history and he goes mom it turns out all that talking you do actually seeps in because <laughs> they said who's the speaker of the house? And I was like, Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. And then he's like, How did I know that? What's
1: did your you son's name? What's his name? Leo. Leo. So you know what? Leo's got to start his own show. Uh, he's got <laughs> and, and what he does is is the whole show is he goes and trolls Donald Trump at Bedminster. He's right? gonna be
0: the kid with the blueberry pies outside of Trump National. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so are are you originally from New Jersey? Yes. Right, and and yes. so that's, Bedminster's generally North Jersey, right? Or are yeah. you from other, some other part of Jersey? No, no,
0: that's North Jersey. It's, um, it's I think that's Somerset County. I'm in Warren County, but so it's like a county over, but it's actually not that far of a drive. And I used to work right down the street at a restaurant where Ivanka liked to dine. She was there the night before her wedding. It was a very fancy, fancy place. And uh, yeah, so I'm very familiar with that, that little section of the state.
1: So was she a good tipper?
0: Uh, I think I... I don't actually remember hearing what kind of a tipper she was. So I don't know. I don't okay. know. Uh, well, no, probably not,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. So, so when, when did you start first start following politics, Joe?
0: Well, actually, it's funny because despite the fact that my life completely derailed, you know, in my mid to late 20s, and I ended up in a completely different industry than I ever thought I would be in. Wait, wait, wait.
1: Deco- how'd your life derail? What happened there? I,
0: I chose love over education. Oh, I see. And- Yeah. So I was going to college in Boston, at Emerson, majoring in communications, politics and law. I thought I was going to be like, you know, Jen Psaki. I really did. That was my, my life's dream was to be the White House press secretary. And I did what people do. And I was like, well, my boyfriend lives in New York and I want to go see him all the time. And so I was like, I don't need to go to class. And (laughs) I didn't. So then I ended up in the restaurant industry in the city and I stayed there a long, 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 long time. And then I started doing that when we moved back to New Jersey and stayed in that industry for a long, 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 long time. And just never kind of went back to this thing that is really my passion. I just let it. I just lost sight of it. I lost sight of my voice. I lost sight of my passion. I lost sight of who I was and what dro- what drove me. And um, I'm trying to get back there
1: now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're doing a fine job of it, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. But what first inspired you to start maybe down that road uh, career-wise? Uh, it certainly wasn't Jen because it was before Jen Psaki, but yeah. was there some sort of inciting incident along the way? I said, hey, you know what? That's, you know what? That job right there or being in this, boy, that a lot of actions happening here. Let's try that. What, what was that thing that uh, occurred? What was the spark? Well, there
0: was a... There was a spark, but the spark wasn't with a uh, coupled with an aspiration to do anything professionally, but the okay. spark was the awfulness of Donald Trump. I mean, honest oh,
2: okay. to
0: God, yeah. I, in many ways that a fucker saved my life. I hate saying that, but like he Mm. woke me up. He came down that escalator and he said what he said about Mexicans being rapists. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Hold hold on. (laughs) No way. They're not going to let this guy get away with this. And then of course, as we all know, every time up into the access Hollywood tape and beyond, I was like, no Way They're not okay with this. They're all on board with this. And every time he did that shit, Mm -hmm. it just like woke me up a little bit more. And so I'm surrounded by Trumpers here. It's very red here. And I couldn't find anybody who thought like me on Facebook. It's all, you know, moms here who are great people in their own ways, but they're also, you know, Republicans. And uh, so I was like, what's this Twitter thing? I just want to go find people who talk like me. I want to find normal people who are not insane. And I went to Twitter and I I laughed because I don't know what the hell I was doing. I thought Twitter was like where Kim Kardashian shared her like, you know, bowel movements. I didn't know.
1: I didn't even know. Well, she does that. That's true. That's absolutely true. And (laughs) it's more so now that Elon Musk has taken it. That's a whole different story.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's Twitter as a whole. But yeah, so I didn't even know how to make a second line of text on a tweet for a year. I didn't know what I was doing. And then it just sort of blossomed into this thing. And then last summer, I I was invited to the White House. And I was like, you know what? I was working in education. I loved that job, but it just, you know, it didn't fulfill me in the way that, it, you know, it should necessarily. And it it didn't pay a life sustaining wage. So I was like, let me just try to make a go at this and, and, and try and see if I can support my kids because I do it by myself, uh, um, you know, with this. So that's sort of where it came from.
1: Do you find that you get overwhelmed with all of this? Is there some sort of thing that you do in order to be able to continuously digest this existential crisis every day?
0: I have to laugh. Yeah. I have to <laughs> laugh.
1: That's, that's it. Good. It's yeah. the laughter, yeah.
0: right? Like, I mean, that's, I think, the way I approach all of this. is like you've got to find that place to laugh or you're going to lose your mind. Right. And, look, at, you know, I'm looking at his mugshot right now, and there's plenty of places to laugh. I mean, they hand them to us every day.
1: Uh, are, do you feel as though you're uh, more on the optimistic side of things, or do you uh, do you get into the realm of, Oh, God, we're so fucked. Which end of that spectrum do you mostly reside in, or is it somewhere where you kind of vacillate between the two?
0: Unfortunate. Well, and I don't know if it's unfortunate, but I've I, I have been <laughs> I've been an optimist. Um, I was an optimist in 2016. We all know how that turned out. Yeah. I put my kids to bed that night, and I was like, "You're going to wake up with the first female president elected, and right will prevail." And they woke up, and they're like, "Why are you crying?" Um, but yeah, no, I think I'm. I mostly have an optimistic bent. I, I talk about this a lot. But Preparata, who's someone I have so much respect for, wrote a book called "Doing Justice," and in it, you know, he talks about how justice eventually does sort of come back around and we just have yeah. to have faith. And I've really tried to embrace that. And, and, you know, we have, everybody was like, Donald Trump's never going to get indicted. He's never going to get arrested. And we're looking at four of them now. Yeah. Um. So it's frustrating. It's hard. I'm, I'm, It's hard to stay optimistic with all of this crazy, but, like, I really do believe eventually we are going to get to the other side of all of this and justice will prevail. I don't think we're as fucked as, like, I probably thought we were in 2016. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, that all makes a lot of sense, and there are many, many days when I feel that way myself. The thing that I'm always contending with, Joe, is this idea that we're no longer in the before times. We're no longer in semi-normal. Politics, where yeah, you could probably debate a Republican on the merits of tax cuts versus tax increases for the wealthy and so on, and have a a reasonable shovel fight <laughs> over right. that kind of issue. But now we're in this new paradigm where the Republicans are so ensconced in bullshit and propaganda and disinformation and existing in an entirely fictitious world that they've constructed with which to entertain this gigantic audience of red hat disciples. And that, to me, has shifted everything into this uneasy kind of leaning too far back in your chair Form of politics that we're dealing with, and so that's what tends to make me go, oh god, damn it! How do you push back against that? Do you even try? You know
2: what I mean? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, there's no, there's absolutely no mistake. You're exactly right. Like that, those old, that old discourse that you know people say, like you're this ain't your. Your grandfather's Republican Party, yeah. and it's true. I mean, it's not. And I, my dad was a Republican until W, and then he switched parties. Which I was like, "Told you." Oh, good. But for it, him. Anyway, yeah. yeah, we used to have conversations when he was a Republican. That you know, we're d- polite. <laughs> yeah. That that, that ship is sailed. That's gone. That doesn't exist anymore. That party's gone. It's it's a, it's cultish. It's I consider them a cult now. A cult of personality, mm-hmm. and and it's all it's all about worshiping Donald Trump, no matter what he does. There's no platform. There's no policy it's just worshiping donald trump and 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 the only thing i think I mean, it's hard to push back. You just have to keep calling them out. But I have faith that because it's a cult, I really do feel like once the cult leader, which is Trump, obviously, actually tumbles down, and I do think that that's coming, the cult will eventually sort of disband and go off into the wind until someone else like him comes along and brings them back together. Um, That's being optimistic, but I mean, that is assuming a lot of the things that I hope will happen, happen. But, you know, it's one of those... I was talking to some Reed Galen, and he said, you know, it's a movement, and these things like this, these extreme movements like this, they do end up burning bright and hot for a short period of time, yeah. but it's not sustainable, and I... I, I pray that that is the case with MAGA.
1: Yeah, there have been times in our history, that's absolutely true what Reed said, because there have been times when we have been facing down demagoguery of this nature, certainly in the lead up to the Civil War. That was one period. Of, I mean, the 1850s were rife with people like Donald Trump, just writing the worst possible things, the worst possible propaganda. But now we're in this race. I think this is one of the things that's most intense about it is we're in this race between... Uh, trying to put it down, trying to put down that movement before it metastasizes, before it gets to the point where it doesn't even matter if Trump's on the scene anymore, it's still going to be a thing. And I feel like, if we can slice out the cancer at the center of it, which is Donald Trump, before it starts to spread. Yes, I'm comparing Donald Trump to cancer. Donald (laughs) Trump is a cancerous tumor. That's unfair
0: to cancer.
1: Exactly right. What Bob, why are you being so mean to cancer? (laughs) Yeah, but it's true um, that as soon as that metastasizes, Donald Trump could disappear tomorrow and the problem would still exist. So I feel like that's the race that we're all in. Do you see it in a similar way?
0: Oh, one thousand percent. I yeah. mean, I, it's it's not hyperbolic. I really do believe that this election in twenty twenty four is the election that that is either going to help us work towards protecting and defending this democracy, yeah. or might be the end of this democracy. And I know that that sounds dramatic, but I mean, think about you know we we think about the consequences and the implications of another Trump presidency and it's like there's no way the framework for democracy exists with him at the helm I and mean, he's learned all of the ways he can subvert it now and he uh, he's tried everything to subvert it so yeah. put him back in there he's never gonna leave it's never gonna look the same and this is that moment where it's really like crucial at that point but i agree with you again sorry cancer about not letting them mm-hmm. metastasize but the thing is too is that we know that these people have always existed. They've always walked among us, right? Like this, this, these hateful people um, have always been out there. They've never had a melted, Peanut circus peanut Messiah quite like they have in Trump. I mean they've had others, you know, who've unified them. But right. I also, yeah, I think that they are going to continue to exist as long as they don't have someone to worship and follow and run over the side of a cliff to their eventual deaths for, um, that they will hopefully like disband and once we protected this democracy, then we can move forward as a country. But yeah, no, we we have to do everything we can to make sure that they don't this doesn't metastasize, that it's not normalized because um that doesn't look good for any of
1: us. And going back to what we were saying about optimism, I feel as though if it were just a one-on-one matter, if it was just Democrats versus Republicans, and I mean, when I say Democrats, I mean the entire spectrum of normals from uh, former, like, never-Trump Republicans, like Reed Gallen, you were just mentioning, you had Rick Wilson on your show the other day, from that End of the spectrum, all the way down to the far left. I feel like between Democrats and Republicans, that'd be something mm. where I think we could prevail pretty consistently. The problem, Joe, is the existence of these sort of contrarian third party voters.
2: Mm.
1: What do we do about that? Like the no labels of the world mm. or RFK Jr. trying to take chunks out of Joe Biden during a primary process when Normally, incumbents don't need to worry about a primary challenger because, you know, they're the incumbent. And so uh, flying in the face of that tradition and, and all these things that are kind of picking away at the end game, which is to produce as many votes as possible in the 2024 general election. And so as we get closer to shore, almost like the old man in the sea, all these uh, you know, third party candidates and uh, voter suppression and all these different other outside elements beyond just Republican versus Democrat are picking away at the amount of votes that we can accumulate for November 2024. How do we minimize that? How do we get that message of the existential crisis to these third party voters or are they gone
0: um, I mean a lot of them might be gone. I don't know. If you're looking at, you know, RFK Jr. and you're like, oh yeah, that seems like a viable option for a president. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. I don't know that we're gonna reach you and convince you to vote for Joe Biden. I just don't know. I mean, I don't want to give up on them entirely. Obviously, MAG is gone, but I don't want to give up on third party voters entirely. No labels is just that's a whole nother conversation. I mean, yeah. that is designed to peel to peel votes away from Joe Biden. But the, the thing that we have in our arsenal, the weapon that we have that we have to keep hammering and using all the time is the truth. Right. So like we have the truth of Joe Biden's accomplishments. We have the things Donald Trump promised to deliver and didn't that Joe Biden is actually delivering. I mean, look at what he did yesterday announcing, you know, lowering prescription drug prices. Politicians have been promising that shit for decades. I mean, everybody's been promising that shit. We're going to negotiate prices, you know, with the, Big Pharma. No one's gotten it done. And he did. And the thing is, those messages are getting stuck somewhere in all the noise and all the trauma of the Republicans throwing poop at the walls. <laughs> These messages aren't getting through yet, but they gotta get through. Yeah. We have to keep hammering them. We need Marjorie Taylor Greene to make keep cutting ads for Joe Biden <laughs> by saying all the good things he's doing, because that's the yeah. only thing. That is the most powerful tr- weapon. Like, you want this stuff done? Hey, guess what? Joe Biden is the guy who did it for you. He's the guy who's going to continue to do it you. Let's look back at Trump. Did he do any of this stuff? No. Like, that's what we have to do. And I, if they're not reachable, they're not reachable. Maybe they won't even vote. I know a lot of people probably aren't going to vote. But what we have to do is both paint this picture as, like, what's on the other side, this existential crisis and this dystopian hellscape that will result yeah. of what a Trump presidency would look like. Um, but we also have to keep promoting what is actually being accomplished right now because these people, they're not, it's not getting through. And there's huge things being done. Um, massive.
1: Yeah, I feel like sometimes the Democrats are waiting for the message to be spoon-fed to them rather than seeking out the message and then repeating that message. I think we're waiting for some sort of thing to land in our laps that we can say, hey, look at this thing. Whereas on the other side, Republicans tend to all stay in line and repeat the same things over and over again. I'll give you an example. Quite honestly, for all their fucked upness, on the Republican (laughs) side— The percentage of Republicans who think Trump is too old to be president, 28%. The percentage of Democrats who think Biden's too old to be president, 64%. To me, that indicates that Democrats need to do a better job of getting in line, and I don't care if he's 190. His record speaks for itself, and that's all that matters. His age has not hindered his record of success at all. And it's just a matter of getting that message out there, right?
0: Right, and it's really interesting because when you look at Republicans, like you, they can spin the shit out of anything. I mean, mm-hmm. they can turn a mugshot into a moment of like resilience, yeah. and the, the guy, you know, it's like a cross between you know, dotering old man pooping his pants and blue, blue steel cosplaying. I mean, they've turned that into a rallying <laughs> cry, but they've also they've created this whole fictional Trump, right? Like there, there's this whole devout, you know, patriotic family man Trump, right. and and it's ironic because at the same time, Democrats have done the sort of Same thing, but to to the detriment of Joe Biden, where this totally capable person is being painted as too old and feeble. And it's like, we what? No, like he's getting shit done. He's kicking ass. And by the way, like the dark Brandon stuff really works. And I think that's why it's like, wait, hold on. Let's actually see him as as a badass because, I mean, yeah, he's older, but he's only three years older than Trump, but he's he's getting shit done. I think he was the, the person for that moment for the job because of his experience because even though it took him a minute to get up to speed on this new Republican party this cult, he got there and look at the shit he's accomplished with this Republican conference, it's like mind-blowing but we need to we, you said, we are the surrogates because like you talk and I talk in the way that everybody around talks. We talk like regular American people. Mm -hmm. We don't pretend to be experts on any of this stuff. We're talking about how this impacts us, how it makes us feel, what we're worried about, what we're focusing on and other people can see themselves in what we say, hopefully, and it resonates that way and that's how I think you really effectively spread the messages because like you said, Republicans, they're some lemmings. They know how to, they know how to They know how to message. Um, It's all hate, and hate's very powerful. It's not our weapon, but you know the Democrats, Democratic establishment is not so good at getting in the muck. They don't want to. They they seem to think they should stay above it, which is often true. But I'm not above it. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) You know, one of the things that I used to do on social media all the time was to directly confront. uh, You know, then referring to them as conservatives or Republicans or whatever. Now they're just red hat disciples of Donald Trump. But at the time. It seemed a little bit more worthwhile to take them on directly on a social media platform, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or whatever. But now it's at the point where it doesn't even feel like it's worth bothering because it's just like screaming at a brick wall. Well, like, what's your policy as far as debating Trump supporters, for example, debating red hats on Twitter, getting into it with mixing it up with them, or do you just not bother? Do you sort of just like what I do is I just point and laugh and walk away. Uh, (laughs) But do do you have a particular uh, methodology that you use as far as confronting them?
0: i don't engage mostly I, again yeah. it's like pointing and laughing I, it's an <laughs> exercise in futility i mean it's yeah. like it's like we're both looking at you know th- the same number and and it's not a question of whether it's a six or a nine they're like that's a ha like this is what we're talking about here. You can't, you can't get into it with them because I wrote a piece yesterday on my Substack about this. Like they just keep screaming election interference, and it, they, it, it's like Aloha, but like in dumb fuckies because they can use it for anything they want. They apply it to seriously bad hair day, election mm-hmm. interference. Like get a DUI, election. did you get fired? Election. Like they can just throw the shit out there and then they walk away, like they're Eminem beating Vivek Ramaswamy in a like rapping contest. This is what this is what this is what arguing with them looks like. You're just yeah. gonna scream and they're gonna scream back, and they don't need any facts, they don't need any evidence, they don't care about any of that. So arguing with them is like trying to staple Jello. Don't try. I like to just poke them and walk away, and especially if they have a spelling error, I might come back and poke them again. But that's you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just my deranged sense of fun. <laughs>
1: You know, along those lines, there is this new group in what I was calling the uh, the spectrum of normals has been these never Trump Republicans, which I've always found to be valuable because they know where all of the holes are. They know where all the gaps are in the Republican armor. And so there's a value into what they uh, are bringing to the table as far as I'm concerned, not only strategically, but in terms of energy and messaging. Having interviewed some of them and talked with some of them, interacted with many of them, do you feel as though they're on the level and they mean what they say and they're sincere?
0: I do. I mean, not I mean not all of them. I can't necessarily paint them all with one. Oh book, sure, sure, some, sure. Yeah, you know, there's varying even on that even on that spectrum. There's varying degrees. You know, there's yeah. Joe Walsh on one side and, you know, Rick Wilson on the other. But mm-hmm. I do, I have found, I mean, ever since Lincoln Project started, actually, I found them to be incredibly useful and I do think they were impactful in the 2020 election. And I do think, despite everything anybody could ever say about former Republicans or rhinos or whatever, um, that they have a usefulness that they are actually endeavoring to protect this democracy too. And that's the awfulness of what's happening right now with not just Trump, but, you know, Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis and the whole kind of move movement of the entire party far, far, far to the right. So far, to the right, it's not even on the map. But like, I think that they are interested in bringing us back You know, so we can have those conversations we used to have about policy, about platform, and that I found, you know, that those are some of the strongest allies personally that I have. I I mean, I'm I'm friends with all of those guys, and it's it's because of Trump's awfulness that we became allies when I never would have suspected that would have happened. But you have to, you have to find a coalition to fight back against all of this. I mean, this, this is this is an extraordinary time in our country's history. We have to take extraordinary measures and making allies out of enemies or, you know, frenemies or whatever is probably advantageous for all of us.
1: Okay, back with more JoJo right after these words.
0: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car.
1: Yeah, it's weird to see uh, the relative strangeness of where we are in the political debate, in terms of suddenly now I am favorably retweeting Bill Crystal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. If you had told me 10 years ago that I'd be sitting here in 2023 favorably retweeting Bill Crystal, I would have said, Oh, you're fucking insane. What <laughs> what are you talking about? That's madness. What did you become a Republican or something? <laughs> But yet, here we are. It's not the strangest thing that we're confronting (laughs) right now in politics, but it's kind of in that spectrum of weirdness, isn't it? The fact that we've made these strange uh, bedfellows, you know?
0: A hundred percent, yeah. I mean... I was like, oh, wait a minute, you're gonna be friends with Kellyanne Conway's husband? Like, what are you talking yeah, what about? Is no, what yeah. crystal, take that crystal ball, throw it out the window. That <laughs> fucking thing is broken. Yeah. But they, I mean, that's again extraordinary times. It is, you're right, not the weirdest thing that's going on right now because mm-hmm. you know, making a Trump a, a mugshot into you know a fundraiser is probably one of the weirdest things that's going on <laughs> oh right God. now. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I never ever thought I would be retweeting Bill Crystal either. That I'd be like, Tom, um, Tom, what is his name? Tom Where's Nichols. His name go? Yeah, like Tom Nichols. Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense, Tom Nichols.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really yeah it does. Do. <laughs> I've been communicating with Tom Nichols on Twitter since, God, 2013. Since oh, I think we first bumped into each other talking about Edward Snowden, where we were kind of uh-huh. dubious about Edward Snowden, what he was up to. And we we're like, well, there's something going on with Russia. What's happening with Russia? Maybe this is the portend of some sort of insanity going on with Putin. Oh my God. And then suddenly it started to happen. (laughs) Like, okay, this guy, Tom Nichols, seems to know what he's talking about. So I'm going to kind of pay attention to what he's saying for sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one of the things that Tom and I have discussed privately is what do we do if Donald Trump becomes president again? And I think everyone I've spoken with, who's basically in the same circles that you and I exist in Joe is Well, we're starting to look at Toronto. Uh, That seems like a nice place to live. I mean, there's no wildfires, that is. I mean, maybe Canada, maybe maybe we've got dual citizenship, like I may be able to get dual citizenship in Italy. Have you thought about that eventuality? Like what happens if Trump becomes president again? What do you do or do you do anything? Do you stand your ground and, and fight back or do you bug out?
0: It's funny because in 20, in 2016, in the lead up to 2020, I spent a lot of time I- evaluating that very eventuality, and yeah. and I was like, well, if my dad was born in Lebanon. Maybe like I could go there. Like, is that even better or what? <laughs> you know. So, I that in that election cycle, I actually did spend a lot of time considering, you know, what what would I do? You know, my, my, where would my kids? Where would we go? Yeah. And I have to say that in this particular one, I'm spending a lot less of my own emotional and mental real estate on that question because I am not. Even though I'm not I'm not going to say never, I just don't think that there's much value to me sort of putting any stake in the reality or any reality that Trump actually wins because I am just I just don't want to go there. That's extraordinarily <laughs> healthy. And so I'm not really letting healthy. myself go there. Yeah. So I'd healthy. I'd rather focus on making sure it doesn't happen <laughs> than right. thinking about what happens if it does.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think while I sit here and go, hey, yeah, yeah, Toronto or you know, <laughs> Venice or something like that, that, that looks really good. But <laughs> then I go, you know what? Hmm. If he does get elected again, I'll probably just stay here. I'm comfortable in my little office here in, in our apartment. <laughs> right. and, come for
0: us and put us in the yeah, It's too much of an
1: inconvenience <laughs> to move, so I'm yeah. just going to stay here and fight. Might <laughs> <Mine> as well. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. too much exactly. trouble. But, you yeah. know, the, the AP posted an article last night that, as far as I'm concerned, should be a huge wake-up call for anyone who's thinking about sitting out the next election or voting for a third party. And the headline was basically this. Conservative groups draw up a plan to dismantle the U.S. government and replace it with Trump's vision. This mm. is an AP news story. This is not an opinion piece. This is not something that is just a, a Substack entry somewhere. This is a hard news story from the Associated Press, and it's kind of drawing a, an extraordinarily dire conclusion. This is something that we need to start considering, as a distinct possibility that if Donald Trump does get elected, he's never going to leave again. Do you think that's the plan for him to get in and then just never go?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, they, Republicans are party in, in the death throes, you know, they're facing their own extinction. The electorate is, is not, is not, it doesn't favor them being elected by traditional democratic means. So they don't have any use for democracy anymore. And Donald Trump clearly doesn't have any use for democracy. He wouldn't win by also by conventional means. Um, but, but yes, I do think that their design is, his design is certainly to get in and, and do the things he wasn't, he was somehow not able to do the first time. Maybe he was worried about being reelected back then in those simpler times. But, you yeah, know, I mean, I think it's important that we think about those things. I do think it's important that we consider the ramifications of what his presidency would look like on this country. And we have conversations about that. Like, you talk to Miles Taylor and you listen to Miles Taylor say, hey, guess what? He's going for the VA first. All you veterans and soldiers out there and loved ones and he's coming for the va he doesn't like the va he wants to gut it he wants it gone and that's yeah. just the tip of the iceberg all the stuff he didn't do shooting migrants in the leg for crossing the border he'll do it like we have to we do have to paint the picture of what they have designs to do and we don't have to guess they are telling us they're spelling it out they're mm-hmm. they're out there bragging about it they're saying the quiet part out loud like it's their job. so we don't have to guess at what their agendas are they're telling us they're not afraid to tell us they They know they can't win, so you can't beat them, cheat them, and they're going to do whatever it takes to get in there and stay there because they don't plan on ruling, on governing, sorry. They plan on ruling forever, (laughs) and that's, that's what we're at. That's where we're at.
1: So the other wild card in all of this, Joe, is social media. Social media continues to be a thing as far as our politics go, not just in terms of commentary, but in terms of spreading disinformation. Uh, One of the examples of the past several months is there was a story about how uh, Russian propagandists are buying up Twitter Blue accounts or X Blue, whatever the hell Elon is calling that thing now. Uh, Mm -hmm. so, So the question is... Whether you're concerned that Elon Musk platforming disinformation, much like what happened in 2016, which led to the election of Donald Trump, but is that going to have an impact on the election again? Is that going to be a thing going into 2024?
0: I mean, obviously, it's it's very – it's dangerous as hell, right? And yeah. it, and we see it in all different sex- segments of society everywhere from, you know, LGBTQ rights to and fear-mongering and et cetera to the African-American community again. I mean, there's, they're doing the disinformation thing. It's definitely ramping up again. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't – I mean, if you're going to be susceptible to messaging from a troll or from Marjorie Taylor Greene, which is basically the same thing, yeah. um, you know, I don't know that I, any mess- counter-messaging that I could ever – put out there would would change your mind but the only the, again what we have to continue to do and it sucks because a lot of people want to leave that platform but we got to stay there and we got to fight and we got to keep combating the shit with the truth we yeah. just have to keep hammering the truth and and that's why like i feel like i can't leave i cannot leave that platform i'm gonna stay and i'm gonna be in the trenches until they turn the lights off or kick me out or keith richards dies i don't know whatever comes first but <laughs> it's i, I we, that's the thing and i don't I wish I could even understand what his motivation is behind all of this because there's probably some nefarious shit going on. I don't know. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it just seems like it. But then I go back to 2022 and he was really pushing for Republicans to 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 really win in that midterm and and, and I don't think it had much of an impact at all. So, you know, I don't know. We just have to keep pushing the truth. That's that's our weapon. That is what's in our arsenal that they don't have.
1: I get the feeling that Elon's loyalty is to chaos. And so therefore, by extension, Donald Trump is chaos. So by Elon <laughs> yeah. Musk kind of manifesting this platform of chaos for the sake of chaos, that by extension also loops in the chaos of Donald Trump and so on. So Donald Trump ma- helps to manufacture the chaos. It's all about Elon Musk as an agent of chaos. And you know what? Th- that is a broader question. And you being such a, a, an influencer on social media, is social media, by the very nature of it, manufacturing chaos in our society?
0: Um, yes and no, but can also it can also be a place for clarity, which is you know yeah. what the intention is. But I think Elon's a narcissist, just like Trump, and not only does he want to manufacture the chaos, he wants to be you know the the puppet master of all of it, and and watching the fires that that he builds, watching the fires that Trump builds burn, is very satisfying. Um, but I mean. The thing about the chaos machinery is that it's really beneficial for people like Trump. It's really, really beneficial for the Republicans who aren't running on anything sub- substantive or real, um, because people are, are distracted. They don't have the the capacity to really kind of weed through all of the shit with all the noise and the shooting of woke well, beers and the you know yeah. all the all the things that they're canceling every other day and stoves, gas stoves, etc so the idea is when the chaos is meant to sort of distract people so they can't focus on the truth and again i keep coming back to this but like i think that in the sea the tsunami of the chaos that they're stirring up while they're chumming the waters with so much hate that we have to do an equal part on the other side of that spectrum and we have to just keep coming in with clarity and as, as 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 like sharply as we can cut it so that it's not confusing so it's very very clear we gotta. Do that. We have to sh- cut through the shit and and keep coming back with the facts and the truth and calling them out on their bullshit. Because the idea of the chaos is so that people get lost, confused, disillusioned, mm-hmm. and then they walk away because they're too apathetic because they just don't want to deal with it. And we can't let that happen. So that's how that's how I see it as a as a tool.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like that's working?
0: <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't know because I, I really – I just have to keep hoping that it is impactful, that that there is – there are still people out there who are reachable. And, I mean, we have a lot of people in this country who don't vote for either political party every time, and I do think that they're they're reachable. I really do, Um, which is shocking at this point that that exists, but, it, you know, it still does. There's people who just aren't as dialed in all the time, and then they come to a national election, and they're like, oh, hold on. I want to pay attention. What's this person saying? So, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess if I really – if I ever thought that it wasn't, I would probably still keep running my mouth just in case there was one guy who's been on a boat in the middle of, you know, the Atlantic ocean. And he's like, Oh shit, what's going on here? I don't know. I mean, I just think, yeah, it's important for me to keep saying it, whether or not it's changing anybody's mind. The hope is that it does.
1: Do we have any sense at this point as to how chaotic it's going to get? Once these trials all start, it's going to be so much information to digest all at the same time between the shovel fights of the primaries leading into mm-hmm. the general election and then everything that's going on as far as courtroom drama goes are, are we even cognizant of the <laughs> amount of madness that's going to produce how do you see all of this playing out
0: well it's going to be a it's going to be a minefield for sure i mean i don't think I don't think we can even anticipate. We've never been through anything quite like that in our history, yeah. but that's what Donald Trump excels at. So it's kind of like like unbuttoning your pants after eating the second plate of food at the buffet, <laughs> and you're like, actually, I, okay, I got it. I got this. I'm going back for more. Like I can do the ribs. And by the way, to all my trolls, <laughs> thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah. Make your fat comments. Please insert them here. That's fine. But no, for real, Like with, for whatever reason, we think we're like, we just can't imagine any more crazy with Trump. I can't possibly handle any more crazy with Trump. And then we're four indictments and in 91 criminal charges in trump and we're like what's next right. all right let's go Crack in our knuckles and it's like we just we just some of us not all of us because a lot of people are being dr- drummed with this so badly that they're walking away and like i don't even care but the rest of us are not doing that um i think it's going to be insane i think starting with georgia georgia is happening in october um that's going to be televised and and the thing about televising it just like we saw with the January 6th committees hearings being televised they can say maga can say all day long like this doesn't matter americans don't care it's not going to do anything but those those hearings the january 6th hearings did. They did make an impact. And Fox knew it because they weren't going to cover it at first. We're just going to have Tucker talk about it. And then what did they do? They're like, let's have Tucker come on. Let's do the counter messaging. We need to get on this really fast because this (laughs) stuff is really powerful because it's visual and they're really not that smart. So they're like seeing these things and they're like, oh, my God, wait, I didn't I didn't have to read. I understand that that's going to happen with Georgia. And it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be very impactful. And we have to, you know, divide and conquer. And some people are going to have to be, you know, on an, on one case, maybe like in Mueller, she wrote, just going to be on post doing her thing. And, you know, the rest of us are going to be doing our rant somewhere else. But like, I think, I think it's an opportunity for, for, for the country to really see what he's done, who he is, even if it won't reach mom, pop, MAGA, because it won't get through their craniums. It just won't. But like there are I think there are fewer of them than there are of reasonable people who are like, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. I don't like this. You know, that's my thought as far as whether or not he'll be convicted. I mean, again, it goes back to Preparara and I do believe in justice and I do believe that he will get fair trials. And I, and I do believe due diligence will be done. And I believe at the end of the day that the evidence will be overwhelming. And in all of these cases, honestly, I mean, New York's the only kind of wild card where I'm like, I don't know, you know, I don't really know if that one's going to you know, come down or not. But um, the one that I have the most faith in, honestly, is January 6th. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, and I think that underscores the seriousness of some of the other charges, the non-New York City charges. The fact that financial fraud is like the, well, I don't care. That's like the cereal from Lucky Charms. No one cares about the cereal (laughs) part. Everyone wants the marshmallows. But it's so crazy that the cereal part is composed of some pretty serious charges that speak directly to Donald Trump's long, long history of corruption, committing financial fraud with the Trump organization, and that linked to hush money payments to Stormy Daniels, and and that's the most minor thing. That's what's so crazy about this, and I feel as though we've got 91 counts lined up. If he is convicted on just 20% of those counts— that's still going to be serious jail time for Donald Trump. I I think we need to start calibrating our expectations based on that. Maybe he doesn't get nabbed on all 91 counts, but he doesn't need to. You know what I mean? Right, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, what, what, and it is shocking to think of 91 and we're not necessarily done. I don't think we've even seen, you know, how many more he could possibly get yeah. before all of this is said and done. But the thing that I just can't wrap my brain around, that I'll never wrap my brain around as hard as I try, and I guess if the day I ever could is a day I should probably worry, yeah. is how it is that most of these crimes, I mean, even the hush money payment, really, they're they're designed around cheating the American people, yeah. cheating the very same people who support him, who send him their insulin money every month. Like he's potentially with the, the documents case, let's say they have a son who's in a, you know, a, somewhere in, in conflict of some kind, or who knows if he's, you know, in the CIA or something. Let's just say that they keep sending Trump his their money and he's imperiled their son's life mm-hmm. at the same time because he's compromised our national security. And it's like, they're still behind this person more than ever when all basically all the crimes he's been he's been charged with were were against them, all of us, I just yeah. I'll never, ever be able to wrap my brain around it. No, you clubbed me over the head. you take <laughs> my money. I would like you to club me over the head some more, but like from the, you know, the office you clubbed me over the head from last time. It doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, and, and that, the clubbing over the head metaphor, I think is a, a pretty good one, also for the fact that the strategy from Trump and all the people who enabled Donald Trump is to flood the zone with crimes and awfulness to the point where not just the press can't keep up with it, but the rest of us can keep up with every single one. So like for going back to the financial fraud charges in New York City, like I feel as though we as messengers should come up with some sort of system that, and I don't know what that system is, that's why I'm bringing it up here, uh, some sort of system like a message of the day kind of thing where we make sure that every aspect of what Donald Trump has been up to gets its own time in the sun, gets some sort of play where everyone's talking about these things because there are so many aspects of Trump and Trumpism that we can't possibly begin to emphasize enough unless we have some sort of organized method for doing that because otherwise (laughs) we're just chasing whatever the latest headline is and we miss all the crap like aforementioned financial fraud. Is there any way to do that where there are 84 million Chefs in the kitchen all at once. Is there any way to organize that so that we can emphasize some of these Trump things?
0: Um, <laughs> it's a big kind of question. Like hurting, I know it's like a big question. Cats. Yeah. 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 I yeah. mean, the flood, the zone, the zone with shit. That's what Steve Bannon, that's the whole, that's the whole game, right? Like that's yeah, the yeah. whole ball game. That's the intention. And then the outcome is, is again, to still dilute all of it at, at simultaneously, because not one thing is so awful, little out awful, all the other things. And that's That's what we have to do. Like, I don't know how to coordinate that. Like we'll have to have the Antifa meeting. Um, you just have to put that put sign up for the snacks. You have to bring your own drinks, by the way, Bob. You cannot. I'm not giving you my boost. Um, but like for real, that's really difficult to coordinate. But, you know, there are groups out there, there's DM rooms, you know, there's there's messaging, there's hashtags, all that stuff that we can that we can employ. Um, but we just have to keep being those people who cut through the shit and are like, hey, this is fucking awful this is really bad like here he is telling a book biographer like i didn't declassify this i shouldn't be showing this to you and that relates back to our national security something that could kill loved ones could kill us like this is crazy here's the audio tape pay attention like and nothing is going to be not it's not going to get lost as long as we keep paying attention and focusing on the truth again back to that whole thing of the fundamental thing that actually still exists yeah. which is the truth but like there's there's two prongs to them flooding the zone with shit right now they've always done this with trump too is not only do they try and out awful all the awful so that the last awful doesn't seem awful anymore hmm. but they're trying to make Biden as awful with all these bullshit oh, yeah. investigations and uh, these red herrings and this nonsense that they're completely manufacturing they're doing all of that so that the American people who aren't in the weeds on this shit are like oh well they're all they're both the same they oh, both yeah, have yeah. documents they both cheated they're both corrupt it's like no actually let's do the facts here that's not
1: true yeah if everyone's corrupt then no one is
2: exactly <laughs> that's Bingo. the idea behind that's what all he's done his
1: whole life I almost feel like, you know what we should do, like a felony count of the day, (laughs) where for 91 (laughs) days in a row, here's this felony count, and then everyone starts tweeting about that and and getting that message out there on social media and so on, and then we go to the next felony count. Oh, yeah, today (laughs) is Fraud Against the United States Day. That's what we're doing today. Something along those lines, because here's another example, and this is not anything to do with the felony counts, but the fact that Donald Trump presided over the deaths of 400,000 Americans due to COVID in his final year in office, predominantly due to his own incompetence and inaction with Mm -hmm. a mind on the election rather than a mind on saving American lives. And I feel like that's one of those things that's just lost in the mix this is 100,000 times more dead americans than ha- happened at benghazi right. and the fact that republicans made such a huge deal out of you know and it it was a big deal that four americans died at benghazi not worthy of all the investigations but you know, suffice to say, if four deaths is a big deal, 400,000 deaths should be a factor of 100,000 times the outrage magnitude of Benghazi. And that sort of gets lost. And, and what I've been trying to devise, Joe, is a way to make sure that that stuff gets churned into the mix as much as anything else, as much as chasing the Donald Trump headlines every day. Is that even a, a possible goal to try to achieve? Or it's just too so. much, yeah.
0: No, I think so, and I actually employ that tactic all the time because yeah. I have a very long memory. I am from New Jersey, and I am a mom, and <laughs> we do not forget things. When yeah. you wrong us, it's like it goes in the book, gets filed away, and then something comes up, and you're like, "Oh, back to that rolodex of angry." let me just pull this out, and then just drop it on your lap because that's Trump for me, and that's Republicans, and I don't forget. And when we so often see this, like you said. There's this, like, there's this weird thing where it's almost like it's too far in the past that people mm-hmm. have forgotten that he started golfing again. I don't know if you remember. He stopped golfing for like a hot minute yeah. when it was when the pandemic first started. I went back <laughs> and looked. He started golfing again as we hit a hundred thousand deaths. That's when he went Jeez. back. He's like, yeah, you know what? This is a good time, and it, 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 it's so like. Think about that. And he, the apathy that this person displayed for this country over and over and over and over again. So what I do, because I don't want anyone to forget any of that shit. Like, I mean at all is when they do their revisionist fictional Trump. This is the Trump that they're presenting as the guy who cares about the people in Hawaii. Is it that, fucker even knows Mm -hmm. anything about what happened over there but they're like biden doesn't care about hawaii donald trump cares about hawaii and it's like no he doesn't he was the paper towel guy i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna show you the receipt (laughs) no he doesn't care about this here's a receipt of him not caring about the hundreds of thousands of americans who were dying this is there's when they push these lies about him being a family man, let's go back and remind everybody that he admitted that he had many affairs, that he's admitted bragging about sexual assault. Let's go back. Let's show the tapes. Let's Because we're not going to let them revise history. We're not going to let them whitewash who he is. We mm. can't because that stuff gets lost and then they win the messaging that they're selling, the narrative that they're pushing, which is all propaganda and bullshit passes and that's what people accept as true. And it's not. So like, yeah, I think there's a real power in making sure that a lot of us say, actually, that's not true. Here are the receipts. Have a look for yourself.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things that I kind of count on uh, when it comes to Donald Trump is the fact that in the United States, we have this long history of building up heroes and then tearing them down. The mm-hmm. Lance Armstrongification of <laughs> public figures happens quite a bit. Oh, this guy's a hero. Oh, what do you mean, he <laughs> cheated? Oh, fuck that guy. And <laughs> right. And that gives me hope that eventually Donald Trump will face that sort of Lance Armstrong fate that as popular as he is right now in certain circles, that eventually that will wear off, and maybe those circles will begin to tear him down, and that helps me to sleep at night, Joe. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. yeah, I mean they are ultimately they are, they are going to destroy. It's going to be a circular firing squad. They right, are going to destroy right. each other. That that's the nature of the beast that they built. But yeah, I mean we're seeing it start to happen a little bit with like the Chris Christies, and obviously that's opportunistic. Mm-hmm. But like we're seeing it start to happen a little. But I don't think that there's a shot in hell that MAGA actually like the core base. They're not leaving that guy. They're going to dig. <laughs> deeper and deeper (laughs) down into that dumb fuck foxhole all day long until they like hit China. I don't even know, but they're, (laughs) they're not coming back, but you know, the rest of the party. Yeah. And I also think this doesn't sell on a national level. We saw that in 2022 with the midterms. I just think the appetite for Trump is not there on a national level, the way they're hoping it is. And we've seen polling that indicates that as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the podcast is called, are you effing kidding me? Everywhere you get your podcasts on, on Patreon at patreon.com slash Jojo from jurors. You can get the podcast there, right? I just didn't speak out of school did i you can get your podcast yep. on your patreon page
0: the podcast is not on the patreon page i, I a- <laughs> knew it i knew it okay. i knew
2: i'd screw that do, up
0: i do preview it there i mean you can, okay. you can every week before every episode i make sure i drop a clip in there and then promote it that way but yeah no gotcha. it's not on the sub stack that was gonna be the way it went and it just didn't shape out that way so now it's separate
1: and what's your sub stack
0: that's also, are you effing kidding me? So the, 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 my genius, I'm a marketing genius. You might not have known that. It's the, it's the secret. Um, Yeah, no, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I want to name everything with a swear in it, okay? That's what I want to do. That's my brand. That's who I am. Put an effing everywhere. Um, Yeah, so um, that's my sub is actually, are you effing kidding me also? Um, okay. And that is where I really, 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 really let loose folks. Like, I don't hold back.
2: Amazing. Yeah, the Daily
0: Beast was like, can we, can you you know write this piece but like you be you but like a little less like you you know (laughs) because I just uh, I don't I don't have a filter (laughs) oh I've
1: run into that myself can you be a little (laughs) less you like why the fuck are you even asking me that like uh, you know what I mean I tend
0: to use a lot of words (laughs) and I swear a
1: lot yeah (laughs) Yeah. have you heard of chat GPT I mean (laughs) if you need something to sound kind of like me but not really me
0: right they have uh,
1: (laughs) apps to do that oh shit All right. well it was great talking. Talking to you, Joe.
0: Oh, thank you so much. It's great meeting you. Great talking to you. I could talk to you all day. That was awesome. It flew by.
1: Yes, absolutely. We'll talk to you next time then.
0: All right. Have a good one.
1: Take it easy, you too. Bye-bye.